We're beginning a study in the book of John this week. We're going to be going through one chapter of John a week. And so if you look at the book, you realize there are 21 chapters. So for the next 21 weeks, we are going to be looking at the book of John. I, I like doing book studies because it gives us a healthy view of God's Word. It forces us to talk about and to think about subjects that, that we don't often like to address. And, and sometimes us preachers can get on these soapboxes or, or we can get on these tangents where we talk about just one thing. Where when we do book studies, it, it gives us a variety of, of subjects uh, uh, to address. It keeps us um, on track. And... The book of John is just a really good study of God's Word and of who Jesus is. In your bulletins this morning, you have uh, this John reading plan. And what we would like for you to do is, is over the next 21 weeks, um, each week as we, as we do the study, that the week that I preach, so next week I'll be preaching on John chapter 1. So Monday through Wednesday, you'll be reviewing John chapter 1. And then Thursday through Saturday, you'll read John chapter 2 in preparation for the next week. So each week, you'll be reading two chapters of the book of John. And it just, it will, um, John is just a really uh, beautiful book. And it, John gives us, the reason I, I love the book of John is, is it gives us an intimate glimpse of the life of Christ and who he was. And the goal of the message this morning is simply to introduce you to the book and its author. You know, John is believed that, that the Apostle John is the one who wrote uh, the book of John. John is the same guy that wrote, that wrote uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and also Revelation. And it would be really good for you if you could read, especially 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, to, to get you acquainted with this author and, and what the Holy Spirit um, filled him with as, as he writes uh, from that. John was a part of Jesus' inner circle along with, with Peter and James. Or, um, and John gives us the privilege of, of, of getting inside of the life of Christ. John had the privilege also of being a part of, of the transfiguration. If you remember that in Matthew 17, he was one of the pillars of the early church. You see John coming, you see him in Galatians chapter 2, his name mentioned, and in also in Acts, that he was one of the leaders of the early church. In his later years, John was exiled to the island of Patmos by the Romans, um, and historical uh, sources tell us that he lived most of his life in Patmos in a cave where he was secluded from the rest of the world. But it was on this island of Patmos that, that he received this majestic vision from God that we see comprised in the book of Revelation. It was on Patmos that, that, that John wrote the book of Revelation. He is not to be confused with John the Baptist. He is John the Apostle. He is the brother of James, who also was one of the twelve apostles. James and his brother John were known as the sons of thunder. 
The reason they were known as the sons of thunder is because at times they were reckless and impulsive and, and aggressive in their, in their approach to, to people. If you remember in Luke chapter 9, it was James and John that wanted to call down um, fire from heaven because the people wouldn't accept Jesus, wouldn't, wouldn't in, refuse to welcome him into their town. He also, James and John, if you remember, requested to sit at the right and left hand of Jesus. They wanted to be in the end. They wanted when he was in his kingdom. And, and because they requested this, it caused problems between John and the rest of the apostles for a while. But you see John, as he begins to mature, you see it in his writings, that John became a man of humility. Although he was passionate, he became a man of great humility. You see it in his writings and the things that he included in his writings. John is the only apostle that, that has the account of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And you see John un, beginning to understand Jesus' teaching about servanthood throughout his writings. And it was John in who Jesus put his confidence when, when Jesus was hanging on the cross. One of the most uh, beautiful pictures of, of, of intimacy, I think, in the New Testament is when Jesus is hanging on the cross. It says in John chapter 19 that, that he saw his mother there as he looked down from the cross. And the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is how John is, is sort of the label that he's given as the disciple who Jesus loved. And it says, standing nearby, he said to her, this is Jesus, he says, Woman, here is your son, speaking to John. And to the disciple John, he said, here is your mother. And it says, from that time on, the disciple John took, care, took her into his home. So John was given charge of, of Jesus' mother Mary after he died on the cross. And so we see John as a, as a, although he was a son of thunder, he became a very humble and compassionate apostle. Some of the facts about John, the book of John, because it's important as we dive into a book of the Bible, into a study, that we understand some things about the book. In Christian tradition, John's gospel is always referred to as the fourth gospel meaning that it was written after the other three. So we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are known as the synoptic gospels, which simply means they were an overview of the life of Christ. When you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they were an overview of the life of Christ. Where John is, is more specific and looks at more, um, looks at more in detail at some of the, the special events of the life of Christ. John omits large parts of, of what we find in the synoptic, synoptic Gospels. You don't see anything about the temptation of Christ in, in John's Gospel. You don't, although John was a part of the transfiguration, you don't see him write. He didn't write about the transfiguration. He didn't write about the Lord's Supper. Um, and so there are lots of things. You don't find any of the narratives in uh, Jesus' uh, parable um, in the book of John. About 90% of what we find in the book of John isn't found in any of the other Gospels. In fact, as you get into it, the chapters 2, 3, and 4, um, Jesus' early ministry in Galilee isn't find, found in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. 
and his extended farewell discourse, which is so beautiful in, in chapters 13 through 17, aren't found in any of the other gospels. In fact, John dedicates about half of his book to the last week of the life of Christ. And so, what is the main purpose, you have to ask yourself, of John's writing? What is John trying to accomplish through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in this book? And in order for us to understand what he's trying to accomplish, we have to turn back to John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John gives us the purpose for why he's writing what he did. So, so go back to John chapter 20, verse 30, where we will see where John tells us, this is why I wrote this book. So in John chapter 20, verse 30, and this is the theme for the whole series. You see it on your, the front of your bullet. And he says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. And so, so John's saying, look, there were many other things that, that Jesus did and that happened during his ministry, but they're not written in this book. Then he says, but... These are written, in other words, what I've written in my book, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So we see here what He's trying to accomplish. You see here his purpose. And the way he begins to accomplish his purpose in, in sharing with us about Jesus is he presents evidence. In verse 30, it says that these things are written so that you may believe. And so he begins to lay out the evidence for the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. So that we may believe. And so, what evidences does he give us? And as, as, as you go through this book, you need to look for these evidences. The first thing he, said, he does is he shows us what other people had to say about Jesus. And right away in John chapter 1, verse 29, um, when John the Baptist was baptizing people and Jesus came to the river, it says, John looked at him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then in John 1.49, Nathaniel says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. So as you go through this study, as you read and take notes, take note of what other people said about Jesus. Because it's part of the evidence that John is compiling for the fact that, that he is trying to make that Jesus was the Son of God. Take note of what Jesus says about himself. You know, when the Pharisees asked Jesus the question, who do you think you are? Because Jesus was making claims about himself. In John chapter 8, this is how Jesus responds. He says, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And then they, they listen to him and they say, you are not yet 50 years old. And you have seen Abraham? They're like, come on, you, how do you know Abraham? He lived way before you did. And then Jesus said, I tell you the truth. 
Before Abraham was born, I am. It says, at that, when he said, before Abraham was born, I am, it says that the Pharisees picked up rocks and were going to stone him. Because in their minds, he had just, um, he, was, he was blasphemous. He was claiming when he said, I am, that he was God. If you remember back in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses, when God had given Moses the responsibility of leading the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, Moses asked God, he said, so when I go to the people and they ask me, well, who told you this? God said, Moses, tell them I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. So God said, my name is I am. And so when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, he was claiming to be God. He was claiming deity. And throughout the book of John, you will see him time after time, actually seven times, Jesus says, I am. Take close note of that. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And every time Jesus said that, he was claiming deity. He was saying, I am God. Another evidence that John is giving us that Jesus truly was the Son of Man, the Son of God. Also, another thing that you will see in the book of John as evidence that Jesus was eternal was the scriptures that John uses. John points back to the Old Testament to give evidence that Jesus is and always was. He calls him the true vine. He calls him the one that Moses wrote about. He calls him the true bread from heaven, the true son, the serpent in the wilderness, the Passover, and, and these are all references. This is all John pointing back to the Old Testament saying, back here already, it was prophesied that Jesus would be here. And he's telling the Pharisees, this is evidence that Jesus is the Son of God. And so take close note of every time that, that John refers back to the Old Testament when he speaks of Jesus, because it's evidence that, that he existed, that, that he is who he says he is. And then John uses miracles as evidence that Jesus was and is the Son of God. Six of the eight miracles that, that John records aren't written in any of the other, um, in any of the other gospels. And so take note of, of what of the miracles that John records because he's very uh, intentional about, about the miracles that he records. He records the first miracle that, that Jesus performed when he turned in, in, in Canaan when he, at the wedding when he turned the water into wine. You'll see him. And what's interesting is, is so Jesus has had these disciples that have been following him for some time and and. and they have seen what he's doing, but, but when he turned water into wine, 
boy, their eyes opened up, and they're like, wow, who is this man? And you'll see the, the disciples over and over again asking the question, who is this guy? Because they see him performing miracles. But, but from the first, this first miracle of turning water into wine to his last miracle in the book of John when uh, the miraculous catch of fish, all these are recorded as evidence of John's claim that he was the Son of God. And so as you go through this book, pay very close attention to these details because they're all very important. And John records all of these miracles, all of these evidences to us, presents them to us so that what? Verse 31 is, these were written. I've given you this evidence that you may believe. And pay careful attention to this word believe because the word believe appears 90 sometimes just in the book of John. All of the other gospels together, I think, only record that word about 30 times. So, so John wants us to believe. John is trying to, he wants to persuade us to convince his readers that what he has come to believe, that Jesus is the Son of God, he wants us to, to believe the same thing. He wants us to understand who Jesus was. And the reason that John wants us to believe is because he knows that in believing, you may have life in his name. He wants us to believe because he knows that believing on Christ will, will, will give us eternal life. You know, in John chapter 3, early on, we, we have this, this incredible uh, story of a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a guy that you want to pay close attention to because in John chapter 3, we see Nicodemus coming to Jesus and questioning him. And, and trying to understand who he was, but not believing that, that Jesus, not sure who he was, and he leaves him not believing. But in John chapter 7, we see Nicodemus show up again, and then um, later on, defending Jesus in John chapter 7. And then at the end of the book of John, we see, Jesus, we see um, Nicodemus, actually one of the guys taking Jesus off the cross and burying him. Uh, Nicodemus is a really interesting guy for you to pay attention to as you read through this book. Because believing is essential if we want to have eternal life. And when, when John, when the readers who read John trust in Christ as their Savior, they are given new life from God. And that life gives us new purpose, it gives us new relationships, it gives us new meaning and passions, it gives us a new sense of our eternal destiny. It gives us hope of our eternal destiny. Here is my question to you this morning. Do you believe? Now you have undoubtedly You've known of Christ. Many of you have heard about Jesus your whole lives. You've grown up in the church. 
And what a tragedy it would be if you would fail to, to enter eternal life with God through faith in Christ because you have chosen not to believe. Don't allow that to happen. Believe on Him is John's message. And believe now is John's message. And as you read through that, it will become very clear that he wants you to believe. You say, well, what does that mean? What do I have to do to receive eternal life? If George Barna is right in his research of the evangelical church, he would say about half of all people that attend churches in America today, half do not believe on Jesus as their Savior. Half of the people that go to church go every Sunday because it's their, it's their religious obligation and they have never, ever believed. John says, I want you to see the evidence and from that evidence, I want you to believe. I want you to accept the teachings of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want you to accept the fact that he is the Son of God. Here's the evidence. And then when you've accepted the evidence that John has laid out and the rest of Scripture lays out, then he says, I want you to believe on him personally based on this evidence that I'm presenting to you. You see, it's more than just believing facts about Jesus. It's about believing the facts and then entering into a relationship with him. It's believing that he came to die for you, that he is the way to God, that he is the way and the truth and the life, that he is your Savior. Have you believed on him as your Savior? And as you, when you accept the teachings about Jesus as fact and you believe on him for, for salvation, then we need to commit ourselves to him. And that is at the point where we actually, where he becomes your Savior and your God. That he becomes Lord of your lives. You know, we have so many people that, that they want fire insurance. They don't want to go to hell, and so they ask Jesus into their heart. But, but, but faith in Christ is about, it's about living. It's about making him Lord of your life. And John says, look, because of this, I want you to make him Lord of your life. You know, John records a, an interaction with one of his disciples, a man named Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas. Thomas doubted. And this verse is right before what we read this morning. Thomas doubted until he met Jesus, the resurrected Christ. And when he saw the evidence, he said, My Lord and my God. If you haven't already made him Lord, 
Will you do that? Don't put that off. Your eternity lies in the balance. You know, people find ways of putting off things that they know they ought to do. And some of you have grown up in church and you know you ought to do this, but you've never done it. Because you say, well, I'd like to think about this some more. I'd like more information. I'd like to confirm this through, through some personal emotional experience. But God doesn't save us by our experiences. He saves us through faith in Christ. By believing, as John would tell us. Believe on Jesus. John says, these things are written that you might believe in him and that believing you might have life through him. In John 10.10, you'll read that, that Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. That Satan came to steal and to kill and destroy, but Jesus came and when we believe in him, he will give us abundant. Have you experienced, are you experiencing abundant life? Throughout John, you'll see over and over people searching for truth. This morning, you're searching for truth. You're searching for, for, for Jesus. In John chapter 9, you'll read about a man who was born blind. That man wasn't seeking Jesus, but Jesus came seeking him. Maybe this morning Jesus is seeking you. He's, he's touching you. He's tapping you, saying, come follow me. But Jesus sought him, just like he seeks each of us. And, and when he found the man, it says that he restored his, his physical blindness, but he also restored his spiritual blindness, and the man began to see. And at the beginning of the story, the man looks at Jesus and calls him the man. A few verses later, as he begins to know more about Jesus, it says he calls him a prophet. And later he says he even he must be from God. So you see him slowly understanding who Jesus is more and more. But then when Jesus comes back to the man the second time and he reveals himself as the Son of God, it says the man who had been born blind fell to his feet and worshipped him as Lord. Because he now believed. And because he believed, he now had eternal life. I'm wondering, where are you at this morning? Do you look at Jesus and you say, he was a good man, he was this guy, he was a dude, he, you know, he was all these. Do you just see him as a man in history? Or you may think, he was a good man, he was, he was a prophet. He was a great man. Maybe you see him like that, or maybe you say, yeah, Jesus was from God. I think maybe even he was a prophet or he was maybe the Messiah. Maybe that's where you're at today. If you're in any one of those three areas of belief about Jesus, 
you, like the blind man, needs to go to that next level where believing that he is the Messiah, you must fall on your faces and you must declare him to be Lord of your life. And when you declare him to be Lord of your life, then you will have eternal life. My prayer for all of us as we go through this journey in the book of John, for those of you that don't yet believe, my prayer for you is that you would believe. That you would look at the evidence that is presented and you would believe on Jesus as the Son of God and that believing that you would have eternal life. For those of us that believe already and that have eternal life, I pray that as we read through this this book of John and are reminded of the great work that Jesus did and are reminded of that time that when we believe that our faith would be strengthened and our desire to share him with other people would continue to increase, that we would share Jesus everywhere that we go, that we would in the morning when we rise, we would think of Jesus. That when I am alone and by myself, that I would think of Jesus. That as we go through this study, as we are reminded of what Jesus did, we could say as the song that we sang this morning, you can have all this world, you can have all the stuff, but give me Jesus. as you believe and have eternal life, that we would say, just give me Jesus. That is my prayer. And probably this morning in this room, we have people in every category. My prayer is that we would all come to the point of believing and receiving eternal life through him so join me as we journey as our church journeys through this book this rich book about our savior jesus and that you would be changed by that let's pray father i thank you for this beautiful book that you have that you inspired the Apostle John to to pen for our benefit. Lord, I pray that that through your Spirit, uh, Lord, every encounter that Jesus has with with people in this book, Lord, we would be um, touched and challenged by those encounters. Lord, every miracle that Jesus performs Lord, would, would, would make us be in awe of, of the Son of God. Lord, every time we see that word believe in this book, 
Lord, we would be reminded either of our need to believe or the blessing of believing and having eternal life. Father, I pray that you would do a work in our lives as we journey through this. Lord, we would all be transformed and changed by your word, by the word who was in the beginning. Father, may John's purpose for this book resonate with us and change us for your honor and for your glory. It's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen.